Hello, and welcome to Raising Eco-Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community for those who are raising kids who care about their mind, body, and the earth. I'm Laura, your host, mom to a five-year-old and self-described anxious eco-minimalists. Thanks for joining. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Raising Eco-Minimalists. Today, I am joined by Jen Panero of Honestly Modern. Before we jump into our topic, which is all about composting and kids today, Jen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I started writing my blog, Honestly Modern, geez, it was like eight years ago. and Over time, it transitioned from style to sustainable style, and then eventually into sustainable living or sort of eco-friendly living for modern families. Over that time, I had kids, and as the blog transitioned from style to sustainable style, and then just to sustainable living in general, eventually I started getting into composting a lot. And I really started to write a lot of content about it. I started interviewing a lot of different families to see, you know, how were they making composting work for them. I saw all of these articles online and they made composting look so easy, but I knew that when I was doing it at home, it wasn't that simple. (laughs) Um, It's not that it's hard, but there's a little bit of a learning curve and it's definitely not as easy as five tips to perfect composting in your yard. And then all of a sudden it works, it works amazingly. So, So I started seeing an opportunity to really provide more content in that area. Um, and really help people figure out, you know, how do we actually do composting at home? So I've spent a lot of time in the last, I'd say, 12 to 18 months really thinking about composting, trying it out a bunch of different ways at my house. And then most recently, I actually started a curbside composting company called Wastewell in my local community to help the people around where I live have another easy option for getting their food waste into a better stream than the landfill. I definitely want to talk about Wastewell a little bit later in our conversation, but for now, I definitely think of you as like a composting guru. And (laughs) so I, I think it's a great example of finding something you're passionate about within the sustainability movement and and kind of charging ahead, you know, starting with the blog and talking about it on Instagram and then starting Wastewell. I think this is just a really great example of that instead of how sometimes I think we feel like there's one or two ways to look like a sustainable person and that's not the case. So how did you start getting interested in composting though? (laughs) Or how did you know when you, this was your passion? (laughs) Sure. So I actually, we moved to, from downtown Chicago to a house in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And at that time I was sort of thinking a lot more about sustainable living, but hadn't really executed a lot of it. And the previous owners of our house left this beautiful vegetable garden, pretty large and a compost bin. And I thought this is a perfect opportunity to try this out. They had left a repurposed rain barrel and a couple chicken wire setups that I was like, I can dump my food scraps in here and see how it works. And I am a very lazy composter. So so I I just started trying it out and looking for resources online. I checked out tons of books from the library about composting. And through the whole process, I felt like there wasn't really a great resource that was more than five quick tips, but not so complicated that we were thinking about, you know, what's the science of nitrogens and carbons, you know, greens and browns, and how do we make this perfect? And 
because I couldn't find those resources that I wanted to really make it composting easy for everyday families to do and not, I didn't want it to feel gross or overwhelming or anything like that. I thought, if I can't find these resources, I'm just going to start creating them. And so, like I said, I started composting at home in a few different ways. So we have things from an outdoor bin, a tumbler, electric composters. We have a sub pod that we got recently. And my goal really was just, you know, at the end of the day, how can I get more people living in the suburbs or doing everyday life? How can I get more people to think that composting is either cool or easy or interesting or, you know, worthwhile enough that they should, they should make the change. Because right now we just have so much food waste and composting is such a beneficial way to divert that food waste from the landfill, but then also take care of our soil and make it healthier and give us healthier food and all that good stuff. So I think it was just a process of, I guess, long story short, it was a process of wanting to try it, wanting to help other people figure it out, not finding great resources that were that felt accessible and deciding that I was going to go out and figure out how could we make this easy for everybody else. So that's kind of my mission. I think that's a great mission. And I know that I definitely looked to your resources when I first started composting because I live in an urban neighborhood. So we're very close to all of our neighbors, <laughs> uh, you know, in a physical sense. And I was terrified that it was just going to smell and attract all sorts of critters. And I was going to be that house, you know, and, and so I was really intimidated. And I want to talk about you have a series that you do. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. But before before we get too ahead of ourselves, can you just give a very basic synopsis of what composting is? And then you touched on a little bit of the benefits, but I want to dive into the misconception that food in a landfill just breaks down because I thought that for a long time. And I think that that's a common myth. So can you touch on those things? Sure. So you're right, Laura. It's really important that we aren't sending our food waste to the landfill. When food goes to the landfill, it ends up in an environment that doesn't have any oxygen. And in order for the food waste or the, any organic waste to break down properly into something that's beneficial for our soil, it needs four elements, carbon, nitrogen, water, and oxygen. When we send our food waste to the landfill where there's no oxygen, that process doesn't happen properly. And as a result, we end up with methane emissions from an anaerobic decomposition process that's happening in the landfill. On the other hand, if we send something to, if we send our food waste to the compost bin, where we do have those four necessary elements of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and water, when, when that food breaks down, it goes through an aerobic decomposition process and the output becomes nutrients, a little bit of carbon dioxide, and water. So when we send it to the compost bin, we don't have those methane emissions that, are, that would otherwise come from food waste sitting in a landfill and not breaking down properly. Yeah, that's so interesting. And thank you for breaking that down for us like that. I think the way that helps me think about it is you know, having a visual idea in my head of what a compost is. It's just, you know, you kind of, because you kind of fluff it up or you turn it and getting that oxygen in. Whereas in the landfill, I just imagine the food just getting smashed by all sorts of other things. And then it just sits there and just sits and sits. So that, if if, if any exactly. listener out there is visual, that's kind of how I visualize that, the lack of oxygen and, and other necessary ingredients. So quickly, what are some different types of composting? You 
try out a lot of different kinds, which is really awesome. Um, so can you talk a little bit about those sure. different types? So I'll talk about a few different types of composting and I'll start from what I think are the easiest types of composting all the way up to what maybe is the most complicated. So some easy types of composting are, there are countertop appliances that are basically electric composters. The food cycler is one, the Lomi is coming out soon. Those are really simple to use. You set them on your counter, you put your food scraps in, you turn a button on, it does the whole process in about six to eight hours and you end up with a finished product that you can use to amend your soil. They're really simple. A couple of the downfalls, they can be expensive. So depending on your budget, they may not fit in your budget. And then also the volume of what you can process is not that high. As you can imagine, if it's sitting on your counter, um, you have to run it once every day or two if that was your exclusive compost system. So it's an easy option if you're looking for something that's like very clean and simple, but it can be expensive. Another really simple option is curbside pickup. So most major cities and surrounding suburbs have curbside composting pickup services. These are really simple. Usually you get a bucket or a container of some kind. You put your food scraps in there, move the bucket to the end of your driveway or your agreed upon pickup location, and the service comes and picks it up once a week, once every other week, very similar to residential trash collection. Another option that can work if you have it available to you is a community drop-off site. So especially, you know, New York City is a great example of this, but they have it in other large cities as well. If you hold on to your food scraps and you can freeze them for a few days or you have a bucket that they can sit in, there are lots of community gardens or community composting collection sites where you can just drop off your food scraps and the community group takes care of all of the processing. So that's actually really another easy way that can also be much more affordable if you live in an area that has something like that available. One of my favorite ways to recommend composting, especially to beginners, is to find a neighbor who composts. There are, you know, if you have a neighbor, like if you're Laura's neighbor, maybe Laura will let you drop your food scraps in her compost bin. There's a pretty good chance that your neighbor will say yes for a couple of reasons. One, they're definitely into composting. They're probably happy to take your food scraps. Two, they're probably using that compost. So the more food scraps they have, the more compost they get, the more they can um, use it on their garden, around their trees, in their yards, whatever it might be. So a neighbor's compost bin is a really great option. If you don't have a neighbor that you know of who composts, who you can use their bin, there's also a, an app called Share Waste. And it's a really simple app. You download it on your phone and you can find compost hosts in your area who accept food scraps. It's a really simple app to use. And you go on, you find someone in your area, look at the rules that they have as far as, you know, I accept this, I don't accept this. They're all pretty, most of them are fairly similar in terms of what they accept. But yeah, so it's a great option too, is to use that app to find someone in your area where you can drop off your food scraps. A common solution, especially in suburban or urban areas, is an enclosed tumbler. So this is something that looks kind of like a big enclosed bucket or bin, and it usually stands up off the ground like two or three feet, and it turns. You can turn it periodically. So it's really important to add your greens and your browns as well as some water and soil or in-process compost that can act as an inoculator to get that whole process started. Enclosed tumblers are great in if you're concerned about pests. They usually don't have too many issues with pests because the pests can't get up to them, pests or wildlife. Um, but I do think that they can be a little bit difficult to manage in terms of the learning curve, right? In terms of figuring out, you know, what's the right balance of greens and browns. 
Um, how often do I need to turn it? When is it done? And it can take a little while depending on how many food scraps you're adding and how often you're you're managing it. So that's another option. I've got two more for you. The, another one would be an outdoor composting pile. So this is really simple. You put it in a bin or you put it in a pile, it sits open, you turn it every once in a while. You can be a really lazy composter. The only issue is if you are not careful about covering food scraps with some sort of soil or dirt, you may end up attracting some animals. So and one thing I guess I want to note about this kind of compost pile is attracting pests isn't always a bad thing. Depending on where you live, it may be a problem. For someone like me, I have a larger yard and my compost bin is fairly far away from my house. So if I have an occasional raccoon visitor at night, I don't really care. They don't come around my house during the day. They're not bothering my kids. They're not getting into my garden. So they don't really bother me. But depending on where you live, how close you are to your neighbors, other circumstances, having wildlife come to your compost bin once in a while may be a problem. So that's just something to keep in mind that if you do have an open pile or an open bin, it does require some maintenance and management um, to ensure that you don't have pests visiting every once in a while. The last one I'll talk about is vermicomposting. You can do this indoors or outdoors. Vermicomposting is essentially worm composting. So you have an enclosed bin with some food scraps, some browns, which might be like shredded cardboard or paper, and then you add in red wiggler worms. They're a special kind of worm that's different than an earthworm. You can usually buy them from a variety of places online. Um, you add in those worms, and when managed properly, that worm bin will break things down pretty quickly, actually, and then it, it can be a great composting system for someone who lives indoors and needs an indoor compost, composting system. The subpod is a commercial outdoor vermicomposting system that we have one of them and I'm still learning how to use it admittedly. But I think vermicomposting, I saved it for the end because it can be really great once you learn how to do it, but there is definitely a learning curve to just, you know some of the later alternatives that I mentioned. So it takes a little while to get comfortable with how to compost in those ways. It's definitely, it's definitely possible. Um, and quite frankly, I think it's easy once you get used to it, like a lot of things in life probably, but it does. I think that those those can be some more intimidating types of composting because there is a learning curve at the beginning. Thank you for sharing all those different resources. And I will note that Jen does have information about everything that she just mentioned on her blog, Honestly Modern, and she also talks about it on her Instagram, which is at Honestly Modern a lot as well. And I'll link to those things in the show notes. She also has a really fantastic FAQ section on her blog with all about composting. Um, questions like, you know, what are what to do if you aren't able to use the compost? Um, can you compost in winter? What do you put in? What can't you put in? All sorts of things. So I'll link to that post as well. So you can check out all, all about composting because, again, she's the composting guru. <laughs> so, so transitioning a little bit, since this is a podcast about doing things with kids. So let's sure. talk about that. Composting is a great activity to do with kids. I found personally that it's opened up a lot of doors for conversations with my son. Uh, we call compost garden food in our house. Can you share some tips about how to get kids involved with composting? Sure. I think some of getting kids involved in composting is just doing it and leading by example and showing them along the way. 
this goes in the compost bin, or like you said, having conversations with them about why do we put this in the compost or why do we not put it in the trash? So part of it is just sort of built into life's habits, I think, of, you know, you have your compost and you have your trash and you do different things with them. In terms of specifically getting kids involved, I think they can help determine what to compost. You can have conversations like, hey, I have this apple core. Does this go in the compost or the trash? Or I have this eggshell. Does this go in the compost or the trash? So when they're young, having those conversations to help them figure out the answer is great. They can definitely help turn or water the compost pile. I think that, you know, that can be fun for them. There's a tool called an aerator. So turning a compost pile can be a little bit heavy for a little guy. If you have an aerator, it's definitely something that they can use a little bit more easily. It's essentially a piece of metal with a spiral shape on the bottom so that you can dig into the bottom of the compost without shoveling it all out. I think creating a garden is really a great idea too. Like you said, Laura, talk about compost being your garden food. So if they can see where this compost is going and how it's helping in the end, I think that's really useful. And then there's a few different ways that I think are sort of fun, not necessarily using the compost or being involved in the actual process, but just learning about what compost is. The first one is if you have a microscope at home, I think it would be really fun to take some compost that's in process and put it under a microscope and take a look at it. So there's all, there should be all sorts of microbes in that compost that we can't see, but are actually doing a lot of the hard work of breaking down those food scraps. The second thing would be to let them play with the worms. There's so many worms in a, in a healthy compost bin that it can be really fun for them to look in and see all those worms and see what they're up to if your child is interested in worms. There's another option um, to make what I call a soilarium. And essentially it's a repurposed plastic soda bottle or Gatorade bottle, something like that. Cut off the top and then you add in different layers of soil and food scraps and dried leaves until you fill it up turn it every once in a while. And after about six to eight weeks, if you leave it in the sun where it's warm, you'll see that you can actually see the food scraps breaking down over time through the clear bottle. So that's kind of a fun kid experiment that you can do where kids can actually see the compost process happening. And then the last one, save the best for last, a mutual friend of Laura and mine, her name is Jess, and she has prepared a compost sorting activity that's great for younger kids where they can they they have they cut out pictures of all sorts of different products so everything from you know eggshells and banana peels and apple cores to cardboard and plastic and different types of items and they go through a sorting game to figure out is it a green is it a brown is it recyclable or does it go in the trash and so I think that's a game that I know Jess and I have both done with elementary school classes, and I, they have really had a great time learning about the process and thinking about, you know, oh, look at all these things that don't actually belong in my trash. So that can be another really great activity that kids can do to better understand composting and sort of an introduction to learning what goes in the compost and what doesn't. Yeah. And I will, I think Jess has a post about it uh, that activity or maybe you do too but I'll okay <laughs> I'll link to it in the show notes um and and as a reminder uh Jess was on episode number five where we talked about getting kids connected with nature so if you haven't checked out that episode I'd highly recommend it as well yeah I wanted to touch back I definitely have the activity where you do a little like a little mini compost in the plastic bottle on my summer list because I think that sounds really cool and I'm still impressed that you can throw a bunch of stuff in a pile and then just 
you know, water it and turn right. it and it comes out <laughs> with this like beautiful soil. It's like magic to me. So yeah. I think that'd be really fun for myself and my son to watch that over the summer. And then I just wanted to add one uh, kind of piggyback on one of the resources you talked about having a little garden for the kids. That's a tip that I always recommend too, and letting the kids do whatever they want. But I've got a, a compost bin. It's tall hamper I found on the side of the road. Somebody was just giving it away. And it was, you know, clearly but in a garage or something. And so I just kind of washed it out. And then all I had to do was put a couple holes at the bottom because it's one of those like ones that have the holes on the side. And so it's like a little mini compost bin. I just use it for a little bit of overflow, but he kind of can poke around in it and stir it and do whatever he wants with it. And in the end, I just shake it a couple times and that kind of stirs it if he's neglecting it. But that can be something too, is to give them their own bin if they really seem into it. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy so I think that's a great idea definitely I know one of my little guys he loves having his own space I think you said this too does your son have his own space in the garden he does yeah okay yeah and I think that's great right a little space where they can do whatever they want and they can take ownership and I know my son is like so proud of the space that is just his and Mm -hmm. loves you know telling family and friends about it and (laughs) is more excited about taking care of it because it's his so same with a compost bin. I think it's such a good idea to give them a little piece of it that's totally theirs. Yeah, because it just also takes off some stress, anxiety, at least for me, about the messing around and the big compost bin, although compost is a little different than a regular garden, I think, because it can't really hurt it per se. But um, for the garden, especially that that helps. And I do share the gardening tips in episode four to give another episode <laughs> shout out where I do talk about that. Yeah, yesterday he built, he put like a like a zombie coming out of a grave in his garden. So it's like, it's not oh, always geez. for gardening, but it's just like his own space to take ownership of. And he does grow a couple of things and stuff. So, um, but yeah. <laughs> so one of your posts that I love is about life lessons that kids can learn from composting. And I'll link to it in the show notes, but I'm interested to know kind of how the idea came about for this. And I'll share three of the six that I love and then can go check out the rest. But diversity is paramount. Old things can have great new lives and share with others. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. So diversity is paramount. When we have a compost bin, I think it's a great lesson for kids to see that the more different types of things that are in that compost bin, the healthier and better that compost bin will actually process. So I think that's a lesson we can take to so many things in life, right? The the more opinions we have, the more different types of people we have, the more different ideas we have, the more different foods we eat, um, all of those things are really good. So I think if we can, you know, have a conversation with our kids and say, hey, look at all these different things that we're putting in our compost bin, and that makes them even that, you know, that makes our compost bin even healthier. That's a lesson that we can take in so many different places in life. You said this, the next one you said was share with others. And Uh so I think, again, I talked about sharing, sharing our compost bin with neighbors, or um, even from our perspective, you know, like I said, we, we do have wildlife that, that come into our compost bin. And I'm okay with that because of our living circumstances. So we share our food scraps with some of the wildlife by chance, or signed up for share waste. So we allow other people to come and use our compost bin. And, you know, I think that's a great way to build community is to have this, this common thing that you share with other people. So that was a great one. And then can you remind me the third one? You said old things have new life? Yep. Okay. So I think this is a 
you know, we sometimes we get enamored with the shiny new thing or, you know, kids might be thinking the new toy is always best or the new whatever. Compost is a great example of old things have really great value. Something that might be trashed to someone. Food waste, hopefully it's never trash, but we know that it is sometimes. So we think that it's waste. We think it's no longer useful, but we can actually take that waste and turn it into something amazing. So I think reminding compost can be a great way to remind our kids that old things or things that we think are waste actually can be really valuable and can turn into something beautiful and amazing and useful. I absolutely love those life lessons. And and as I said earlier, I think composting can open up the door to a lot of great conversations. And this is just a really great example of that. Okay. So one thing that helped me when I started composting, as I mentioned earlier, I felt really overwhelmed and nervous, was your series that you call Bring Your Trash to Life, where you interview just everyday people mm-hmm. and ask them about their composting. Can you talk a little bit about that series? Sure. Yeah. So like you said, it's called Bring Your Trash to Life. And in the sense that you're sort of bringing your food waste back to something that's living and back to something that's helping your garden. The idea behind that was I wanted to show how other people were doing this because like you I was actually really intimidated by composting when I first moved into this house I I had this bin I figured I could throw food scraps in but I really didn't know how to do it and so I wanted to create this series where people who compost in tons of different ways in tons of different living situations we have people from different countries showing how they compost at home for two reasons one to just show people you know there's not one way to do it there's so many different ways But two, hopefully people can look through that series and find one or two interviews that resonate with them. They can find one or two that say, you know, hey, this person looks like they have a lifestyle similar to mine. Maybe I could try their their compost style. And then I think that the next part, too, is I I typically ask people, you know, have you had any issues? Was there anything that didn't work for you? And everyone, most people have some either process that they use that didn't work or adjustments that they've made along the way. And everyone says <laughs> it ended up being easier than I thought. So I think hearing everyday people who, you know, have kids, have the lives that we're sort of used to um, and being able to see ourselves in those interviews, I'm hoping that it can help more people feel comfortable and less intimidated with respect to starting their own compost bin. Yeah. And I, I think it just helps as you said, normalize it and makes it seem much more doable and that there are just regular people out there doing it too. Yes, (laughs) exactly. You know, a theme that's come up a couple of times throughout as we've been talking is community. And I would encourage if you're listening to check out and see if you have gardening groups on Facebook, local ones, or maybe next door if your you know neighborhood uses that. And when I've seen people post about composting or that they have scraps or need scraps in Sherry's is a great option. But if it's not um, something that people use in your area, check Facebook because I've seen a lot of great connections uh, using that as well. And and you, then you can ask questions and, and talk to people that are in your neighborhood who are also doing it. So buy nothing could be another option too. Like if there's buy nothing groups and there are people who are, you know, in search of food scraps or looking for finished compost or something in that realm, that might, would be another option that might be similar to a Facebook group or a next door group. Yeah, absolutely. Buy nothing is another good one. So you started 
a composting business, as we mentioned earlier, waste yeah. well. And I just, I love this. I think it's such a great example that one person sees a need and they can just make a difference. Can you talk about kind of why you decided to start it? And maybe if somebody's out there thinking about doing it as well, how they could get started? Sure. So I had been thinking about it for a while, but felt a little intimidated by it, actually. I wasn't sure, you know, where to start or what to do. But I thought that in my sort of ultimate mission, right, to make composting easier and more accessible for everybody, one way that I could do that was to create a curbside composting company in my area where one did not already exist. So, of course, that's not going to be the solution for everybody. But again, we're trying to make, you know, I'm trying to make composting accessible to as many people as possible. And this is just one avenue. So, I had been thinking about it for a little bit, and I happened to be introduced to a woman who owned another curbside composting company in a different part of the Philadelphia suburbs, which is where I live. And that connection with someone else who was doing the same thing was, that was what gave me the confidence to say, you know what, I can do this. Because if I have any questions, I'll just ask her. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I decided that I was just going to start. I built the website. I bought some buckets. I started an Instagram account and I started telling people that I was doing this. And, you know, curbside composting, if you can find a place in your area that will process the compost for you. So I was lucky enough that there is a composting processing facility not far from where I live, but there's not a lot of startup costs involved. So it was something that I could just sort of start doing. I could buy a few buckets. I had my own vehicle that I used. I could really just get started without needing, you know, ha having a lot of startup expenses. So I just decided like, I, I this isn't my area and I'm just going to give it a go. And so it's something that I've grown slowly. You know, I have kids, I have the blog. Um, I have, my husband works a lot too. So it's not, you know, I don't necessarily have a ton of time to dedicate to it in terms of growing it really fast. So that hasn't really been a priority. I just said, you know, I'm going to make this available and I want to be able to create this additional option for people around me who are interested in a curbside pickup service. So right now it's still in startup phases. I just started maybe about six or seven months ago. So we're still young and getting on our feet, but it's been going well. That's so cool. I, I just love it. I think you saw a need and you just went for it and something that you're you know interested in already so i think i forgot to answer the second part of your question which was if somebody else wants to do this i would say reach out to someone else who already does it even if that person is me i'm happy to answer questions about it give you resources as far as where do you buy supplies how do you create a website how do you find new customers those i'm more than happy to, to kind of help someone along in that process figure out how they could do it in their local area that's amazing. And now there's already one barrier removed. So if you're thinking about it, <laughs> no more excuses. Okay. I feel like we could, you and I could talk all day about this and other things, but wrapping up here, I've got a couple questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what is one of your biggest challenges raising eco minimalist or eco kids right now? I think one of the biggest challenges is managing my kids' expectations relative to what all of their friends are doing. So there may be certain things that they want to do or that everyone else is doing this. And so um, 
they're saying, you know, why can't we do this too? And so I think sometimes we say, yeah, go ahead. And sometimes we say, you know, that's not really consistent with our family values. But I think managing that balance of living an eco-friendly life at this point is a little bit against the status quo, right? Or it's, it's kind of outside of the mainstream a little bit. So I think anytime you're living a lifestyle that's not exactly what sort of everyone else is doing, it can be a little bit challenging. So that would probably be the biggest part, right? It's just balancing, managing the balance between living a lifestyle that is consistent with our eco-minded values, and then also not getting caught up in the sort of fast paced, always saying yes to more stuff and more things and more commitments and things like that that's going on sort of elsewhere around my kids. I would agree with that too. I, I think, and I think as the, as kids get older, that becomes more challenging. And you talked about having family values and uh, Stephanie Safarian was on episode number two, and she talks all about the importance of having a family mission and that kind of helps with those situations. But yeah, it's still... I can already see it. My son's five and a half and I can already see, you know, more things coming. And again, I know it's just going to become even more once he gets older. So I don't think you're alone in that at all. (laughs) Yeah. My boys are, are, well, one just turned seven. So they're seven and almost nine. And definitely the older one is really starting to see and ask more questions about, you know, why do people, why do my friends do this? Or why do my friends not do this? I mean, he actually asks me every once in a while, like, how can we compost? That's so weird. None of my friends do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, do you really want the answer to that question? Yeah. Um, so sit down. I mean, that's, how much that's time what, do you yeah, have? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so there, there were, you know, and, and I think those kind of questions provide opportunities to reinforce why we do things a certain way with our kids, but also can be, you know, can also be difficult sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So another another common pain point that I hear about often is balancing the time-saving and convenience items with sustainability, because usually those two things aren't the same. Do you have any tips on how you kind of manage that balance? Sure. In our life, we do a lot of sometimes say yes, sometimes say no. We're not perfect by any means. So there are days when we pick up fast food because it sounds good or my kids want it um, and we're in a rush and it makes sense. And then there's other days where we say, no, that's not what we're going to do. I think some helpful tips are, first one I would say is just don't beat yourself up if you're not perfect. Sometimes it's okay to do those things and just be mindful of not doing them all the time. In terms of the convenience items, I think a lot of them for us are in the kitchen and things like leftovers are super helpful in terms of making making us less reliant on, you know, convenience foods, for example. So leftovers and meal planning, not being afraid to eat the same thing several times is also really helpful. Uh, you know, my, my kids have a few meals that they really like that they're willing to eat. And so, so long as we're okay sticking with those, like they can, we don't have to fall back on a lot of convenience foods, even though we do eat them sometimes, right? I don't want to imply that we never do. So I think those are helpful in the kitchen. Do you have any favorite resources about composting or composting with kids that you would recommend besides all of your own fabulous ones? There are a couple of books that I have read on composting that I actually think are pretty useful. Some of the newer books that are coming out feel much more approachable and accessible. And I can't think of what they're called off the top of my head, but I will send Laura the name so that she can put a link to it in the show notes. 
my son and I have read Compost Stew, which was a good one. And we just got yeah. that from the library. And they're they're actually a really great account to follow. I know I don't know if I follow them on Instagram, but I do on Facebook and they share a lot of great resources. So is there anything else that you would like to share that we didn't get to today? No, I think I would just say if you have questions about composting, um, I I don't have any special, you know, degrees or anything. I've just kind of learned along the way by experimenting and reading and asking questions. If other people have questions, I am more than happy to answer them. I love helping people kind of figure out, you know, what system would work for them in their little situation. So, yeah, if you have questions, definitely reach out. Last but not least, can you share where people can find you? Sure. You can find me online at honestlymodern.com. That's the blog. And then the other place where I spend a decent amount of time is Instagram. And you can find me at, at honestlymodern there as well. So those are the two main areas where I spend most of my online time. All right. Well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with us today. It was such a fun conversation and I am just blown away by all the tips and resources you gave us. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing. These three things are the best way to ensure that the podcast reaches other people who are trying to raise eco-minimalists. Additionally, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the link to join the Facebook community group, all in the show notes. Finally, don't forget that you can become a member of the podcast and receive benefits such as extra bonus episodes, episodes a day early, learn about guests ahead of time, and lots more. The link to becoming a member or to find out more info is also in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget that in order for sustainable living to be sustainable, it has to be sustainable for you. Until next time. Bye.